Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the CDC padding virus death rates and Veritas exposes Trump's no way out COVID problem, Florida does it right on COVID-19, the FBI scandal and Senator Graham, is he all hat, no cattle, and finally COVID tyranny continues. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Back to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you so much for tuning in. In the first five today, I just want to talk with you a little bit about the death rate numbers related to coronavirus and COVID-19. It's always important to say again and again, every life matters. This is an unpleasant, horrible thing we are going through, this coronavirus epidemic. And I, I just could not be more supportive of and concerned about healthcare workers and doctors and nurses and people who work in the hospitals and people who are working throughout this. There are many heroes showing their true and wonderful red, white, and blue colors uh, during this virus time. It's also though important to talk about numbers and accuracy because the numbers drive policy. The seriousness of the crisis, the actual death rate, the actual infection rates, all these things matter in terms of getting to responsible policy. So I wanna mention that you often hear, in fact, you'll hear in a clip we're gonna play in just a few minutes where uh, President Trump was interviewed last night in the Lincoln, at the beautiful Lincoln Memorial. He was interviewed and one of the questions included a number related to coronavirus deaths that is not consistent with a correction the CDC has now done related to their death rates. And, and I'm talking about this not because we don't care about each person, because we do, we want people to be safe, but we also have to be accurate and honest. The CDC had been urging doctors, we had, we covered this in the show before, urging doctors to list COVID-19, the disease that coronavirus causes, as the cause of death in death on death certificates where the doctor had never done a test, he had no uh, information, no medical confirmation diagnosis the person had COVID-19, but CDC was urging doctors to put that down as the cause of death, either when they didn't know or when it was one of many contributing factors. So people who had very serious health conditions were sadly uh, coming toward the end of their lives anyway uh, for a variety of underlying health problems and then came into contact with coronavirus. Those deaths really were due to a variety of things leading up to their passing but the CDC was pushing doctors to say, no, put COVID-19 down for everything, put it for everything you can. So the question last night was tossed out to the president at the Lincoln Memorial Town Hall. We're gonna play, uh, not in this segment, but the next one, question tossed out about, well, we've had you know 66,000. Let me tell you what, when, when recently CDC has corrected the way they list numbers. And if you want to read these yourselves, you can go to my website, americanchemitalk.org on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, and I linked to this data. And I wanna just tell you, the actual number of deaths that doctors can confirm were due to, to COVID-19 in this country is at today, the number is 38,000, 38,000. The 66,000 number that you're hearing people toss out actually comes from people who died of pneumonia, 
who had that and other underlying conditions. So they had pneumonia and uh, pneumonia deaths, and there was no confirmation by the doctor those were COVID-19 caused cases of pneumonia. And so the CDC is correcting this. And then I want to play as they're kind of wrap up in this first five. There was a Project Veritas clip, Project Veritas effort, where they actually talked to funeral directors in New York City to get some kind of verification about this CDC practice of assigning COVID-19 as the cause of death when it was not accurate, was not honest. And you, you hear these stories all over social media. If you read them, you read them on the internet. They're, they're anecdotal. People saying, yeah, my sister passed on from X, but you know, when they uh, I got the death certificate in the mail, it said COVID-19. And I saying, hey, she didn't have COVID-19. And the, you hear stories, I mean, thousands and thousands of stories like that. But I want to have Matt the Wonderful play this clip, which is from Project Veritas, their effort to actually show you the kinds of things being said by funeral directors in New York City about being told to put COVID-19 as a cause of death when that was not true. To me, all you're doing is you're padding statistics. You know, you're putting people on that have COVID-19. If they didn't have it, you're making the death rate for New York City a lot higher than it should be. To be honest with you, all of the death certificates they're writing COVID on, all of the death certificates, whether they had a positive test, whether they didn't. So I think, you know, again, this is my personal opinion. I think like the mayor in our city, they're looking for federal funding and the more they put COVID on a death certificate, the more they can ask for federal funds. So I think it's 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 political. Um, I had one that was autopsy because it was furious. Um, and the apparently, and I don't know who the Supreme Court justice is, but the Supreme Court justice was related to this family. And she says, I know my sister didn't die of COVID-19. She said she had Alzheimer's and they didn't suction her. You have to suction because they forget how to swallow. And um, right away they put down COVID-19 on her. They get certificate and this Supreme Court justice, whoever it is, contacted the hospital. They did an independent autopsy. Bingo, no COVID-19. I want to have you hear that because I think it's really important to understand this exaggeration of the number of deaths related to COVID-19 is not merely inaccurate gathering of medical data. It is inaccurate gathering of data, but it also has a carryover and impact on coronavirus policy in this country. It has impact on the kind of policies coming out of Washington, D.C. because of the number of deaths in the headlines and the deaths in the headlines are of course read by people around the country who become more and more fearful and are very afraid of leaving their homes, sometimes without a very good reason, but fearful of leaving their homes. So it's actually a political mission. And I'm gonna tell you in the next segment what I think it is, or I think a problem is, which is President Trump has been put into a kind of catch 22, a no way out coronavirus policy problem. And the only, and in great part what needs to happen from his administration is a more, a, a, at some point, an announcement that we're going to have clearer data gathering. We're going to be more honest about the inaccuracy of the original models. And we're going as a country to balance many other things 
to get us to the correct policy moving forward, how to deal with coronavirus 19, but with uh, coronavirus and COVID-19. But to wrap up this first five segment, it's very important to understand that the CDC prides itself on accurate data collection. This is a federal agency funded by your tax dollars, but they have been since the inception of this crisis, been padding the numbers and those padded numbers Number one, hospitals are incentivized to pad numbers because they get more money from the government when they have more COVID-19 deaths. They are they and others in the administration as, as a way of perpetuating. I'm not saying President Trump. I'm saying the bureaucracy in Washington benefits from having a continued state of fear fill this country because it gives them more and more power to take the control they are taking. There's a political agenda behind the padding of the numbers and see in the by the CDC and others and the keeping America in a state of fear. And that, my friends, is today's first five. But I want to talk about in this segment, this uh, I said Trump, Trump's no way out COVID problem. And I really want to, I've been thinking about this a lot. Honestly, first of all, it's great to be with you. I love doing this show. It's like by Monday, I actually really miss my listeners. And so I, I'm glad to get to talk with you again. But there was a Trump town hall meeting, which was actually just three people at the Lincoln Memorial, that beautiful memorial in Washington, D.C., and it was a Fox interview. And we're going to play a little segment of that in a moment. But I want to explain to you what I mean about the catch-22 President Trump is in and the, the no way out feel of it unless there is a change made by the administration about how they talk about policy moving forward. This is the catch-22. No matter what he does in terms of urging through his guidelines to extend the shutdown, urging through the guidelines, through the federally issued guidelines as directed by Drs. Fauci and Burks to continue the shutdown, to extend it, to um, add more, pe- more concerns, more um, guidance to the states about limiting people's essential activities, the, the Washington, D.C., the federal government puts out these guidelines and states follow them. If President Trump were to soften those guidelines, were to send a signal to the states that, you know what, we have to open up. We have got to get people back to work. People are, are clamoring. They are frustrated. They want to get back. There, there's economic disaster all around us. People are losing their businesses, their life savings. We have to get back to work. If he chose that path, which is the path I think you should take, but if he chose that path to say to urge the states through the federal guidelines to get people back to work, he will be in every headline in all the major left-wing media in this country. Every death reported will have the story, you know, X number of people die in Montana. And uh, would have, you know, they, they would have been here, but for the loosening of the restrictions, but for President Trump's decision to open up America. Trump pushed a reopening too fast. This is why we have these deaths. He'll be blamed for every death going forward if we, if he decides to go ahead and put out from the federal government, we have to reopen faster. We've got to get this country back to work. On the other hand, if he continues our present path and he perpetuates the shutdown and he says no longer, longer, more danger, you know, I, all the things that I'm sure Dr. Fauci could help him write, 
he will be held, you know, the, the media put the albatross on his neck about the crushing of the American economy, that all the, the success of the American economy for the first three years was really just, you know, kind of luck, didn't really mean anything. Trump doesn't know what he's doing. He's presided over the biggest economic disaster in American history. He's presided over the biggest uh, calamity pandemic-wise, health-wise, in American history, you know, he will be, he can't do anything that will cause him to have the media treat him fairly, whether he opens up and supports it, supports opening up, or he says, no, maintain the shutdown, no matter what he does. Part of the problem he has is because all of the guidelines that came out of Washington that the states are following the, and I know that President Trump issued guidelines saying, well, they were trying to gradually reopen. He has his three phases of reopening and he had reference to the fact we're not really going to be tied to the original really bad numbers that we were given, the bad data and the bad models. We're not really basing our actions on those anymore. The simple fact is a tone was set at the federal level at the start of this crisis by Drs. Fauci and Burks informing Do President Trump that you know, we have a huge crisis on our hands. As President Trump recounts, he was told we're going to have between 1.5 and 2.2 million Americans dead from COVID-19 unless you jump on board and do something drastic. And so, of course, he did. That data, we all know now, we've talked about many times, was bad, completely false, incorrect, absurdly, grotesquely exaggerated. So, okay, we get that. It was bad data. But there has been, since that time, not just more accurate data put out there by, and we've talked about in this show, I mean, accurate data that relates precisely to how lethal and non-lethal, how infectious or non-infectious this entire virus is. We've talked about the uh, doctors who are, the actual numbers coming from CDC, they found they had to get honest and downplay and, and reduce the numbers they were uh, putting out. We have states around the country. You're going to hear uh, Florida Governor DeSantis talk about this in his state in a moment, but we have states around the country reporting that we were told we're going to have you know, this wildly high number of deaths and an infection rate and hospital beds needed and ICU units needed. This is why we had to do this clampdown on America. And those numbers have been wrong over and over and over and over and over in every state. The numbers have been wrong. So just based on that, I think that there could be a message out of Washington that says, hey, given the numbers weren't nearly as bad, given the infection rates weren't nearly as bad as predicted, given the death rates, sad as every death is, but given the death rates were extremely exaggerated, we can look at our new numbers and make policy going forward based on our numbers. Make policy going forward based on facts, not false modeling. The other thing that has become more known to more Americans is that in addition to the numbers being wrong, the policy prescription chosen by Fauci and Burks by their advice and then embraced by President Trump was the idea, the, the best way to fight this because it's so contagious and so lethal is to basically shut down America, to tell everyone they have to stay home. I, I've been calling it the uh, house arrest for the healthy. This is unlike anything we've ever done in other virus crises in this country. Quarantining is requiring people who are sick and contagious to stay home. They're quarantined so they don't spread what they have. In America, we kept the healthy home. It was, and the, the policy to keep the healthy home was driven exactly and precisely by the false data in those bad models. 
And now we have doctors saying, in addition to that, the numbers were wrong and they didn't play out, but that actually in a, in a virus situation, when you want to help a country get through a virus crisis, what you want to do is protect the vulnerable and trust the healthy. Let healthy people go back to work. People who are healthy, strong, they're not susceptible, they don't have one of the pre-existing conditions or situations that would make them more vulnerable. Let them get out and work. Let them develop that herd immunity. Let them come in contact with the virus and get through it, get past it, and then we'll have a healthier society because more people will have become immune because they became exposed and then their, body, their, their bodies develop the antibodies. So we have still in this country, the standing number, we have a death rate is like 0.012 or something, very low death rate. I mean, no one likes death, but a very low death rate compared with the predictions of the early models. We have people frustrated because they're staying home because they were told to, and people now reading all of this other data by prominent doctors at prominent institutions around this country saying we went about this the wrong way to start with. We have Dr. David Katz at Yale. We have Dr. Idonis at Stanford. We have Dr. Scott Atlas at Stanford. We have the two doctors from Kern County that we whose video we played on the show uh, before it was taken down by YouTube. We have a lot of actual experts in this country, actual experts who were saying all along this was the wrong way to handle this virus, the wrong way we should have protected the vulnerable and susceptible and let the healthy people work. And so we're at this point. We are now in May. We have horrible economic numbers, horrible unemployment numbers. And that is the second announcement that Trump could make from Washington to say, you know what? Bad numbers and therefore bad policies we chose. And he could at least introduce to America the idea, introduce to the governors, you know, governors, you could actually look at the research and recommendations of all sorts of other experts. Because I will tell you folks, these shutdown orders in this country coming out of governors and county judges and mayors, you know, elected officials in, within the states around this country, those draconian shutdown policies are driven by the original tone of the guidelines coming out of the Trump administration. And I think that President Trump and his team may feel they aren't, they're not politically wise to urge uh, to, to put out there to people, hey, we think maybe this, uh, we, we were too extreme. We think we ought to open up faster. Let's go. Let's move up. I think President Trump's political advisors probably say, you know, that's too dangerous because then you're going to be in the headlines as owning every future uh, death that occurs from coronavirus. Because, you know, and once deaths happen, after you've opened America up, they're going to be your fault. And so he's getting that political advice. So I think it's a, a conundrum for the president to be in. He's in, a, as I said, sorry, he's kind of catch 22. It's a, it's a no way out thing. But I think he has a path forward by saying to people, saying to America, you know, there are lots of experts in microbiology and lots of experts in immunology. And many of them with lots of information say that the numbers, not only were they really wrong, but that given the numbers we know now and given the behavior of this virus and given our normal way a society develops immunity, we Americans are better off moving forward. Governors, listen to these people and move forward. Because right now, every governor in this country, every mayor, every county judge is able to point to the Trump administration and say, we did this shutdown in our state. We did this, you know, shutting down non-essential businesses, forcing people to stay in their homes. We did this based on Washington's guidance. 
And I think Washington's guidance has got to be some signal sent that says, okay, it's okay to shift directions here. But let me just go uh, close out this segment by asking Matt the Wonderful to play the clip I sent to him. This is from the uh, the President Trump being interviewed in a kind of mini town hall at the Lincoln Center at the um, Lincoln Memorial last night. There is a real split in the country. There are folks out there becoming increasingly angry about the closures. Uh, there are many Americans also who are angry about the reopenings. They're fearful, uh, as many of these states are on the rise in their numbers. Uh, there are 66,000 deaths, more than that now. Yeah. As president, what do you say to the people who are scared to go back to work on one side? And what do you say to the people who are really angry about these lingering closures? Well, I think you can satisfy both. If you're scared, you're going to stay back a little bit and you're going to watch it. And I think anyone over 60, because we have pretty good, uh, we have a pretty good roadmap right now. Anybody over 60, you could say 65, but let's make it 60. We have to protect those people and we have to watch it and maybe they stay back longer. But no, I think you can really have it both ways. I think a lot of people want to go back. They just want to go back. You see it every day. You see demonstrations all over the country. And those are meaningful demonstrations. Oh, it's big stuff. But you also have some people that are very scared. Now, probably everybody's scared when you get right down to it. It's a terrible thing, a terrible thing that happened to our country. It came from China. It should have been stopped. It could have been stopped on the spot. They chose not to do it or something happened. Either there was incompetence or they didn't do it for some reason. And we're going to have to find out what that reason was. But people are absolutely scared. But there are other people that are scared about being locked in a room and losing their job and not having any income and you know, for the first time, these are workers. These are people that want to get back and work and make a living. And they're afraid their job's not going to be there. And at a certain point, if you keep it going too long, that's going to happen. Mr. President, my name is Shana Cruz, and I'm a single mother from Alabama. I lived paycheck to paycheck before the virus, but then I lost my job in March. I haven't received a stimulus payment or anything from unemployment. I'm behind on every bill, about to be evicted from my home, and I've had to rely on donations in order to feed my children. I feel frustrated and I feel scared not knowing where to turn or what to do. What advice do you have for me and others in my situation? Is there more help coming? Number one, there's more help coming. We have really no choice because incredible people like this are, you know, it's not, it's not your fault. I mean, just remember that it's not your fault. And there is more help coming. There has to be. And we want to get it to a point when we open, we're not going to lose businesses. And therefore, more importantly, frankly, we're not going to lose the jobs that run the businesses. So a case like that is an exact, you know, it's really, that's the reason why we have to do more. And we're going to do more. And everybody wants to do more. It's really, it's actually on that aspect of it, it's very bipartisan. You know, the other point that, I, you know, you heard President Trump just said, the other point that I think is so important in all this, trying to adjust or move forward after this, you know, most unfortunate coronavirus situation, I think that President Trump has to talk more about personal responsibility of each person, because that is a lot of what healthcare always comes down to. There are people who, you know, go out late, get drunk in bars, uh, drive home two in the morning. Uh, they do all sorts of risky behaviors all the time. People get in the car and drive, and sometimes accidents happen. People go swimming in swimming pools, and sometimes, unfortunately, accidents happen. There's an element of personal responsibility that has to be voiced from the president and voiced from governors and elected officials in the states, which basically says, just as in all other aspects of life, you're responsible to take care of yourself. You can decide. 
But I think that the element of fear is so high in our country, fear coming from the original false data, fear coming out of the advice given by Drs. Fauci and Burke, fear across the country that this is such an enormously consequential virus that they're waiting to be told when they are safe. And people start, we got to have a shift in public thought that says, you know what, actually, there's no place except heaven that is safe. No place except heaven. Uh, here on earth, for some people have to, every, every person decides the level of risk they wish to undertake. Some people go skydiving. Other people wouldn't think about it. Some people uh, are nervous during flu season, regular flu season. They stay home all the time. Others don't. There's an element of personal responsibility that must be woven into the public conversation about this. And so if you are in a vulnerable category of any kind, then you should probably make different decisions, but the government's not going to force you. But right now, President Trump, has he's, he's almost been boxed into a corner by the leftists and by the media because he's, you hear him saying there, oh yeah, we're going we're gonna to just keep on paying people to stay home. We're going to send more checks. We're going to send more money. This is, a, this is a third way in which the left is going to attack President Trump, the irresponsible spending, the massive, even though they're going to vote for it under his administration, the debt grew, the deficit, all that stuff will be hung around his neck. And the tenants of the Republican Party, he represents one of the core ones, is encouraging people to take personal responsibility. So I think there are just a there are a host of messages that could be coming out of the Trump administration as they move forward, as the protests grow, because people want to go back to work, as the uh, the clamor of the left, which are trying as hard as they can to extend this virus for as long as they can. Leftists in this country benefit to extend the virus crisis from as long as they can. They get more and more spending out of Washington. They get more and more people who become dependent on government and they can use whatever happens in our country, despite the fact that we did not create the virus, China did, it'll be hung around President Trump's neck. And I would love to see a shift and opening up in the messaging out of the Trump administration that says bad numbers make bad policy. We have good numbers now, make better policy. We gotta reopen and take personal responsibility. And I think it's the only way forward. He, he's almost stuck no matter what he does, but I think that is a path forward consistent with the values of his party. I want to talk about what happened in um, Florida, and this is just a quick segment, but in Florida, Governor DeSantis um, had a um, press conference, a, a lengthy uh, presentation he actually gave, talking about the idea why Florida is opening up and how they handle things in Florida. The numbers they were told were real, and then the numbers that really were real. And so I asked Matt the Wonderful if he would please play this clip of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The only thing we have to fear is letting fear overwhelm our sense of purpose and determination. We need to focus on facts and not fear. And I think that there's been a lot that's been done to try to promote fear. We were told over and over again, Florida was going to be just like New York when it came to the coronavirus. Well, let's look at the tail of the tape. How close were we to New York fatalities? Obviously a much different picture. You know, we have, this is uh, uh, equal population per 100,000, much, much less. Uh, even if you did absolute numbers, we have 2 million more people. New York far, far and above uh, what Florida is. Same thing with hospitalizations. Hospitalization rate that is a mere fraction of what you see, not just in New York, uh, but many other states. And so saying Florida was going to be like New York was wrong, uh, and people need to know it was wrong. Second, 
Florida will be like an Uber Italy. So not just like Italy, way worse than Italy is what they were trying to say. Well, let's see what ended up happening. Let's look at the tail of the tape. Okay, Italy, hospitalizations per 100,000 versus Florida. Yeah, I think Italy was a little worse than Florida there, and that's not even close. What about fatalities? How about fatalities? Again, per 100,000, apples to apples comparison, not even close. So no, Florida was not in Uber Italy at all. We've talked about hospital capacity, and I remember reading that by last week, so this was in March, they said by April 24th, Florida would have 465,000 people hospitalized because of COVID-19. Well, that is something that's really scary, especially when you consider Florida only has 70,000 licensed hospital beds. So if you're predicting that, you're predicting the biggest uh, break of the healthcare system probably in human history. So what ended up happening? So that's the 465,000, way up there for hospitalizations. You look down, 2,111 hospitalizations. So they were off by about 463,000 hospitalizations. Folks, I just am thrilled to have that kind of data presented by uh, Governor DeSantis. And I want to just wrap up two quick points about Florida before I turn my next thing. Uh, one is that in Florida, what that governor did, what the state did, was instead of having one-size-fits-all policy, everybody shut up, stay home, don't talk, don't go anywhere, everything closed. They actually used information on the ground related to different areas of the state and the, the, not the geography, but the demographics and the infection rate and the uh, population rate, they actually used intelligent assessment of the various areas of their state. And then they were able to move forward wisely with respect to contain the coronavirus. I wish that video you were just watching could be watched by every single person in America who is afraid and staying home cowering in fear. They. And many Americans, very afraid, have heard the big prognostications, the big numbers, the Uber Italy, uh, Florida's going to be like Italy, and uh, all the things you heard them talk about. And the fact is, none of that was even, it had no connection to reality, no connection. And I want to make clear, I am not necessarily saying that every person involved in concocting those kind of extreme ex numbers, those ex extremely exaggerated estimates, I'm not saying they're all evil and bad and some part of some plot, but I'm saying many people in America got caught up in the, the coronavirus hysteria, scariest time ever in American history, everything exaggerated, you know, air on the side also of assuming more infection rates, more death rates. Just we got caught up almost like mesmerized, hypnotized, duped into massive shutdown of America. And for some people in the American left, this is beneficial. What you saw Governor DeSantis talking about and what he did in his state was to act like a responsible governor, to look at the facts on the ground and deal with individual areas and jurisdictions based on actual facts like demographics, age, density of population, infection rate. And this is the kind of thing we need to see more and more of instead of these blanket shutdowns as we have here in the great state of Texas and other places as well. So I really wanna praise uh, Governor DeSantis. And the other quick point in this before I get off this story is, this is a really good example why we never, ever, ever in this country want to have socialized medicine. 
Many of the predictions, the, the data, the thinking is coming out of organizations at the national level, the National Institute of Health, even the World Health Organization, very involved in all the coronavirus policy. And you see the danger of letting a one-size-fits-all policy made by bureaucrats thousands of miles away be so utterly inaccurate as to be useless and how much better it is to keep local control of the healthcare system and ultimately control the healthcare system by the doctors and hospitals and nurse practitioners, other professionals involved in the practice of medicine. So very, very much want to commend uh, uh, Governor DeSantis and, and encourage everyone to think this is the kind of uh, responsible leadership you want out of uh, in this scary, very scary time. Okay. I'm going to do one non-coronavirus story today because it's amazing to think about, folks, but actually many other scandals, issues, and, and amazingly important topics are still happening in the world, even though we're so absorbed in the coronavirus thing. One is, as we talked about last week, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is now uh, a very different position legally. Uh, very much uh, people are thinking and hoping that his uh, whatever path the court takes, he will ultimately be have charges dropped. Uh, or the uh, whatever path it takes where the judge dismisses the case with prejudice. But still unresolved in this country is the Barr-Durham investigation into what happened inside the FBI and the DOJ. And I want to give one other little factual context before I play a clip. And this is Senator Lindsey Graham being interviewed on Sunday morning, Maria Bartiroma's show. But I want to just say one important thing about it. Barr and Durham are obviously Attorney General Barr and uh, Durham was appointed U.S. attorney to look into this. And he's supposedly digging and digging and finding out all sorts of, you know, who was responsible for cooking up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, who lied, who committed crimes, you know, who, who's possibly involved in wrongdoing. And ultimately, everyone's thinking, well, then we're ultimately going to hear about some, uh, you know, arrests, indictments, arrests, prosecutions, convictions. We need to do that to clean out the absolute corruption inside the FBI and DOJ. But though that those are the federal agencies inside the United States Senate. There is, of course, the Senate Special, Special Select Committee um, inside the Senate that is chaired by Lindsey Graham. Chaired by Lindsey Graham. He is the one who has been saying forever Oh, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to dig in. We're going to find out what happened. Yeah, this is going to this is going to come to the surface. Yeah, we're going to find it all out. Don't you worry. And Maria Bartiroma finally lost it with him yesterday because he's, as this caption says, he's all hat, or as they say in Texas, all hat, no cattle. He's just talking and a lot of concern by very serious commentators that the reason Lindsey Graham is all talk, no do anything is because Inside the Senate, inside the Senate Special Select Committee on Intelligence, the committee he chairs, that committee, inside that committee are numerous people, possibly either at the very least aware of what the FBI and DOJ were doing, complicit in hiding it, refusing to call it out, to expose it, and perhaps even complicit in other things that are being covered up. And that people are now very, very suspicious that Lindsey Graham is not wanting to bring these hearings to the floor of his committee because he did, he's more invested in protecting his allies in the Senate than he is in getting to the bottom of what happened in the FBI and DOJ. So here you have Maria Bartiromo and Senator Lindsey Graham.
Senator, it's great to have you this morning. Thanks Good so morning. much for joining us. We've been down this road many times in terms of that cabal and how yeah. they uh, set everybody up to try to take down right. Donald Trump. We now know Peter Strzok was critical there. Will you call Peter Strzok to your committee to interview him as a witness, Senator? Yeah, when the case is over, I'm not going to do anything to interfere in an ongoing criminal case. That'd be unethical. That'd be wrong. But when this case is over, I'm going to ask questions like, why uh, did the field office recommend dropping the case and Peter Strzok in the seventh floor insisted that it go forward? Seems to me there's a tale of two FBI's here. The FBI agents that we all admire in the field office and this uh, hit squad that McCabe and Comey put together operating out of the seventh floor. I want to know why Flynn was being surveilled by the Obama administration to begin with. Uh, they, uh, you know, the Obama administration is surveilling the national security advisor of the president-elect. What the hell was that all about? I want to know why they were uh, looking at manufacturing a crime rather than investigating the one, investigating a crime. The field agents wanted to drop the case. It was the seventh floor at the FBI said, no, we got to go forward. It is now time to understand how the seventh floor operated. I'll be all over that. I've got to tell you, though, I mean, we've been talking about this now for three years. And when I first came on the scene and said, look, they, this is a coup to take down Donald Trump, I got slammed. Everybody yeah. out there was just going on this, you know, Russia collusion right. Uh, right. witch hunt, which was ridiculous. And you told me repeatedly over the last couple of years, as I continued to bring this evidence forth, in February of 2019, you said, I'm going to subpoena Rosenstein, Yates, Strzok, mm -hmm. Comey. Mm -hmm. In July of 19, you said, I'm right. vowing to do a deep dive. In August right. 19, you said, we will make sure this never happens again. September right. 22nd, 2019, you came on this show. You said, we're ready to start calling people. October 29, I'm going to call Horowitz and subpoena. November yeah. 19, I'm going to call Horowitz after the findings. You are the only one with subpoena power right now in the Republican Party. We need yeah. you to call these individuals down to testify as witnesses. People want you to move on this, yeah. Senator. Yeah. Are you going to do it? Yeah, but I've told you, and I'll tell you again, I'm not going to interfere in an ongoing criminal matter. This is a rule of law nation. I'm a politician. My goal is to write a report on how I got off the rails, but I can promise you okay. we're going to do it right. I have to tell you, folks, here's the answer. He's never going to call those hearings. And I want to just, before I get to a serious point I want to make about it, it was very entertaining to watch his body language. I mean, she's finally saying, are you kidding me? Listen to all these times. You kept saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to get the bottom of this. I'm going to call this person. This Never did a darn thing. He's, I mean, he's foofing his hair. I mean, a guy on camera foofing his hair, hanging his head, looking at notes. And, and what's he going to do? He's on live television. He can't just walk off. And honestly, it was even entertaining to watch Maria Bartiromo's body language because she was almost like, come on. I mean, she didn't quite do that, but very close. But on a very serious note, this corruption inside the FBI and DOJ, which is patently obvious to anyone paying attention, anyone paying attention, and the unbelievably long time it has taken to get any headway out of the investigation by Durham and Barr, any headway at all. I mean, Barr did hire the one special U.S. attorney, Jensen, who is the one who came in last week and said and, and discovered those notes and finally turned them over to Michael Flynn's attorney, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, that basically verified that the FBI was trying to set him up, trying to decide, should we try to get him to lie so we can prosecute him? I mean, they were just manipulating him. We now are clear that Strzok, Peter Strzok, 
reopen the case after the people who were involved said there's nothing here. He didn't lie. He didn't do anything wrong. So it took all this time to get that one little piece. There is so much we need to know about so many very high level, significant players in this country. And the idea we have to sit and listen to Lindsey Graham on Maria Bartiromo's show, maybe 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 the last time he'll agree to go on her show, but sit there and keep on talking tough. The only time Lindsey Graham has been tough is during, for whatever inexplicable reason, he found a spine during the Kavanaugh Supreme Court justice nominee hearings, the, the famous snarl and blasting at people who were making up stuff about Justice Kavanaugh. But short of that, he's been a, he's a close friend of John McCain, tells you a lot, a guy who is inside the Senate long time, he's gonna protect his allies, we're never going to hear anything from him, in my opinion. We've got to get the truth out through the Bar Durham um, um, Avenue. Okay, last quick thing before we wrap up, and we got to wrap up because we're almost out of time here. But I, I call this a uh, COVID tyranny continues. And I could spend this whole show, I could spend this whole week's shows telling you all sorts of different stories of things happening around the country because of the orders that are put in place by governors, mayors, elected officials across this country that are forcing healthy people to stay home, that are that are saying no travel except for essential reasons, all non-essential businesses shut down, can't go outside your house unless we say so. And so they have very draconian, very limited, very, very un-American type rules in place, which are causing more and more protests to happen. People saying, I need my business open. We have a big battle going on in Dallas County. We have, we still have in Texas, you know, through whatever illogical basis of reasoning, our governor has said some businesses open, some not. And so you can't have hairdressers and uh, nail salons open. And there's actually a hairdresser here in Dallas County who is protesting, who's staying open anyway. She just won't close. She's gotten a couple of criminal citations. She just ignores them. She keeps on going forward. They haven't dared arrest her yet. But this is... When I say tyranny, people kind of, and, and my, I know many people are using that term tyranny. People say, well, that's ridiculous. Tyranny is like when you're rounding up people and sending them into prison. And that's not really true. Tyranny, the idea is, is inconsistent with the rule of law in this country and inconsistent with, in this country, the presumption of reasoned rule of law, that we have rights to live freely, to function freely, to move about freely. And they can only be, they can be limited in an emergency circumstance. But we're talking about COVID-19 and coronavirus is going to be an emergency circumstance that's going to count for who knows, two years, three years, four years, we're all gonna stay home. It becomes tyranny. And then the conduct of some officials is especially egregious. Last clip of the day, I, this is a governor uh, doing a press conference and he's being asked, well, you'll hear the question, but this is governor, um, Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker asked a question. He's a B billionaire and his wife has a uh, some kind of ranch in Florida where they, they raise horses and they, 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 so they're into horses. So he, this is a question that the governor got. I want you to hear what he had to say in response. This is governor Pritzker, Illinois. Mark Conkle with the patch says, where's the first lady? Is she accompanied by a state security detail? Has she engaged in non-essential travel? What is your response to people who say the stay-at-home order and non-essential travel bans aren't being abided by your family? I believe there's a report from Illinois Rising Action that says that she recently traveled to Florida. Well, first of all, I wanna say that in politics, it used to be that we kept our families out of it. You know, my official duties have nothing to do with my family. 
So I'm just not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate, and I find it reprehensible, honestly, that that uh, that reporter wrote a story about it. Okay. And what he is saying in plain English is the rules apply to you, not to me. Rules for thee, not for me. I am the ruling elite. My wife can fly down to Florida to play with her horses while everybody else in the state has to stay on lockdown. He'd be making a good point about it's not really relevant for reporters to be asking about his personal family. If people were asking like, you know, what did your daughter get in her geometry final last year? Or, you know, how much does your wife weigh? Things that you don't have a right to ask intrude into people's privacy. The reporter was making a great point that this guy is saying, I'm going to inflict on the people of this state rules and orders that don't apply to me. The absolute opposite of the rule of law in America. Very similar to last little COVID tyranny story, and then we'll go to why it matters to you. But there was a mother who, she lives in a trailer park to start with. She and her daughter wanted to have a play date at the park. They were harassed. They had police threatening them. And anyway, she ultimately decided to get her daughter, who's been holed up in their, in their trailer park home, to a playground. There's nobody else there. There's no, no one she could be infecting, but she's out of the playground and she was arrested. Not kidding, arrested. This is what tyranny is. This is the kind, the reason why it's so important for people to keep protesting and standing up because people like in that county and around this country, all the stories we have been telling you, there are people who feel perfectly justified and in fact enjoy inflicting harsher and harsher rules simply because they can, they can, including California Governor Newsom, who actually got mad at the citizens of uh, Huntington Beach area. So he ordered that the, the uh, beaches are open in California, but not in this one area where the protest was because protesters showed up and went to the beach anyway. He opened all the rest of the beaches except the one where the protesters were there shut down. This is a this is a power driven. This is a guy who's loving his power, loving his ability to control, manipulate people because he can. This is what happened. This is tyranny, my friends. We're going to run out of time here. So I want to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So the first story we talked about today on CDC padding virus death rates. Project Veritas recorded New York City funeral directors admitting to padding COVID death data. And they're just doing what they're told. It wasn't really their, their mission. But May 1st, 2020, CDC official data said 37,308. The data today is actually a little higher. It's up at 38,000 something. Nothing like the 60,000, 66,000, et cetera, number that you're hearing from uh, people who are, um, you know, from, from the reporters and such. Stimulus funding incentivizes padding COVID-19 uh, death data. They get more money for hospitals, and so hospitals are going to say, fine with me, we'll pad the data. But the net result is no trust in the veracity of COVID-19 death numbers, and we, are, we see a rapidly declining trust in the entire lethality pandemic scare. On Trump's no way out COVID problem, why it matters to you, unless until Trump can acknowledge government shutdown was an overreaction, that the government ordered shutdown of, of society was an overreaction. Reopening pressure is neutered by the huge fear already created. You see these in response to the to the protests. People saying, "Why are they protesting? We, we're afraid. We're afraid to reopen." Trump's town hall answers 
um, show he doesn't recognize his, his answers show he doesn't recognize how the left has boxed him in. Reopening before fear subsides will lead to blaming Trump for all future deaths. Reopening after fear subsides will be too late. National economic suicide complete. There is hard data backing up the position that fear has been overstoked from the inception. If Trump does not want to admit initial overreaction, he should at least acknowledge new data and urge America to move forward using facts we know today. The time to reopen is now. The vulnerable and fearful can still choose to stay at home. And on Florida Desert Right on COVID-19, Governor Ron DeSantis' video ta um, takedown of media COVID hype is rock solid. The panic level fears were not justified. The actual death rates and hospitalization rates do not reflect a crisis. Similar data available to Governor Abbott of Texas and Governor Newsom of California, but Abbott is reopening slowly and Newsom is a leftist control freak with a vindictive streak, see Orange County. So Texans and Californians are suffering economic catastrophe for no good reason. Governors are to blame. Texas needs to reopen now. Okay, and then California, the Florida does it right on COVID. Now we're on FBI scandal and Lindsey Graham, all hat, no cattle. Maria Bartiromo, Fox Business, is one of the very few mainstream media journalists who has done the homework to know the ins and outs of the CIA, DOJ, FBI corruption with, Flint, with Lieutenant General Flynn and Trump. She finally called out Senator Lindsey Graham for lots of video clips of tough talk, lots of promises of tough hearings, and delivering nothing of any consequence. Senator Graham is suspected by many to be a deep state protector and probably participant. He knows other senators are implicated in the coup attempt. McCain was his best pal. He likely knows other senators allegedly in on money laundering, profiteering on Ukraine and China. Bar germs problem is how much to expose. And that my friends is a big problem for them to decide what they uncover. Do they decide at some point that, you know, this is, that this is too explosive to even uncover. I hope they don't decide that they need to expose it all. Last topic for the day. Could tyranny, uh, COVID tyranny continues. Wisconsin moves to arrest a single mom for unauthorized playground visit with her daughter. This is police state tactics for the sole reason because they can. Illinois governor outraged at a question about his wife's defiance of stay-at-home orders, which are obviously only for everyone else. California governor reopens all California beaches except those in Orange County where local officials filed a suit against him. This is not about science. It's about political power. This is why Americans are tiring of the pandemic. No principled leadership, just leveraging fear for power. Un-American leadership needs to be voted out. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you